Welcome to Wild Quincy, a podcast that looks into the little-known and forgotten past of Quincy, Illinois. It goes by different names, Yowie, Yeti, Almas, and Yaren, but we just call it Bigfoot. On this episode, we learn about the various reports of the two-legged creature right here in West Central Illinois with WIU's Michael Lorenzen. That coming up next. Now, here's your host, Chris Ketters and Travis Hoffman. Well, Travis, we uh, start this episode by talking about the last episode, which, by the way, biggest episode ever in Wild Quincy history. What do we think of that, Travis? Mummy Man. I suspected that it'd get a lot of attention, and I was I was very pleased to see that I was on the mark on that front. And there, lots of interest. I think a lot of people have heard a lot of stories and a lot of misinformation about things so to kind of have somewhat of a record which i feel is pretty historically based i think it's good good to be floating around in the ethers to other people to stumble across yeah, and definitely, and, and plus, our special guest Rodney Hart was with us for that, and he gave us some information that nobody's ever heard of before, uh, so it was new information that's been released, kind of gives you a better 360 view, if you will, of that whole case that happened back in the early 80s, so it's uh, definitely an eye-opener. If you haven't checked it out, make sure to check it out right here on uh, Wild Quincy, but uh, we have to talk, uh, kind of jump into a different beat, uh, we have to talk about our new Patreon members, Travis, we got one, right? We do, we want to welcome Lori Leith to the world of the wild things. And that would be her joining us at the $5 medium Jeff special level. We certainly appreciate that. And uh, you'll hear a little tease about how you can become a wild thing here in just a minute or two. I laugh because you literally just posted uh, just recently on our Facebook page. If you were at pizza or sorry, oh, not pizza, if you were at Jim you just, City. That was a slap yeah. in the face, Quincy. <laughs> Ouch. Uh, if you were at Jim City, what would you get? And like the overwhelming response was Jeff's special pizza. So uh, we definitely got the right one. So if you want your Jeff's special pizza, you can do it right here on our Patreon. So we'll talk about that, like Travis said, in a few minutes. Uh, we have had a lot of response from our Patreon members and from non-Patreon members, Travis, with everything going on and all the stuff that we've been talking about. And uh, you had this cool idea kind of based on that. We kind of been thinking about stuff and, and getting these awesome like feedback from our, our listeners. And, and you got to thinking about something I think we're going to start introducing uh, down the road, right? Yeah, Chris, uh, we've, we've been fortunate over the last, what headlines have been three, four years, three years. I don't know. <laughs> two, let's, let's go for two, two years, years. Four, two, two years, four yeah. seasons, do the math however you want. <laughs> but honestly, building a medium like this to kind of, get the word out on interesting stories and local stories and history. It's a lot of work, Chris. So why not stand on the shoulder, our shoulders and share your own wild files, if you will. We're going to call it the wild files. And what we're looking for is user submitted content. That's right. You guys listening or you guys and girls out there who put up with our idiotic voices for so long. <laughs> we want to hear what you have to say. And basically we want to know if there's any interesting ghost stories you've experienced any any historical items maybe you're in, in your family locally or otherwise say you've seen Bigfoot or some other cryptid beast around the area or maybe you've moved into a new place and maybe there's a weird box in the basement or the attic and said some kind of creepy thing or something of interest if it's weird it's wild it's wonderful and it's something locally based we want to hear about it all you have to do is drop us a line all you have to do is drop us a line at wild Quincy at gmail.com 
and just put wild files in your subject and shoot us your story. We want to hear it. If you want to type it out, if you want to get ambitious and record some audio, surprise us. But what we're hoping to do is have a whole fun off-season amount of content so that when we go away, the the radio waves aren't dead here for a while and we'll have some interesting content for the off-season, Chris. Yeah, it'll definitely uh, be nice to have, and uh, we want to hear your stories. We've used some already uh, from uh, back in season one with Terry Mosby when she came out, and we talked about some of her stories actually related with some UFO stuff with our crop circles on our farm. Uh, so, so we were talking about that at the end of season one, so check that out if you haven't listened to that one. But uh, yeah, give us an opportunity to uh, hear what uh, you have to say. We, Like I said, we've already gotten some responses. We threw this out on Patreon at our last episode. <laughs> we already got a response from one of our Patreon yeah, members. Yeah, just so. shoot us an email at wildquincy at gmail.com just put in your topic in the subject line wild files and that'll kind of start building a queue for us to revisit here so we thank you in advance and we can't wait to hear what you have to say yeah definitely looking forward to that and we're looking forward to tell you the local flavor and the local stories as uh, we take a little break from doing our research and uh, let you guys do some of the research for us uh, you don't even have to do any stories. research chris just tell us no. what you know Inter- Tell us a story. Us. Nobody's vetting you. Yeah, I don't have to fact check any of this. Make it interesting. Make nice. it entertaining. I don't care. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, speaking of entertaining, Travis, time for question of the day. Boy, are you ready for bring this? Bring it on, Chris. Okay, so we're throwing back. So you guys remember we're kind of throwing back to season one. We were talking about UFOs, and we're going to talk about the bars and churches episode. You remember that one, Travis? Uh, it's a big one. Yeah. Yeah, so we're going to ask this question, and I'm going off of my notes from that uh, that episode. So I'm hoping my notes are correct. Oh, ooh, so we, we have some potential controversy <laughs> brewing, it sounds like. We might. Oh, boy, might. All, you, all you history buffs, get ready to pounce. That's right. Our, our email is wildquincy at gmail.com. Uh, so, <laughs> hey, also, so you can, I forgot to pimp this earlier, but oh, yeah. 612-666-9453 is also our voicemail. That's 612-666-WILD. You can text us or call us at your leisure with any feedback as well to harass Chris or me or otherwise. That's great. Yeah, we get those. Like, literally, they come to our phone, so we're able to listen to them and, uh, and get uh, some feedback. So that's really cool. But here's the question of the day, Travis, for you and everybody else. Which Catholic church was the first in Quincy? Let me give you some options, as always, and they're in alphabetical order, if I, as long as I put them in the right order. Uh, St. Anthony's, St. Boniface, St. Francis, or St. Lawrence O'Toole, which used to be St. Peter's, by the way. So the question today is this again, which one was the first Catholic church in Quincy? St. Anthony's, St. Boniface, or St. Francis? Does it sound like I had the right answer, Travis? Uh, yeah, I think you, I think you, you meant to say St. Peter's, which used to be St. Lawrence, Lawrence and not vice versa. Yeah, that's what I said that. St. Lawrence O'Toole, which used to... No, yeah, yeah. I, did, I did say that. <laughs> that's right. Sorry, St. Peter's. Peter's. We've renamed your church. Hope that doesn't put anybody out. And I hope they didn't just order stationery or letterhead, Chris. Yeah, man, I'm just throwing everybody under the bus. Anybody on State Street right now or Main Street, I'm just... You know, anyway. All right, so we'll have the answer for that question coming up at the end of this episode. But it is time to go adventuring out in the woods. And we're going to be talking about Bigfoot in Adams County. And that's coming up next here on Wild Quincy. <laughs> Here's what you missed on the latest After Hours episode of Wild Quincy. You know, we are in our own cocoon, and and I don't want to get, I don't know, not racial, stuff like that, but I mean, 
you know, we have our own lifestyles, but you know, the people on the northwest side of town, they're in a whole different environment. Is you yeah, know, we say the fear of the we say the fear of the nineteen eighties with this with the mummy man is scary, but who's to say that they don't have that fear right now in northwest Quincy? You're right. Let's call it as it is, Chris. We are middle class white guys yeah, in our forties. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> we're, we we don't have our finger on the pulse of what it's like to be in that environment. Our right? After Hours episodes are available exclusively for Patreon members by going to patreon.com slash wildquincy. For just a couple dollars a month, not only will you double the amount of Wild Quincy episodes at your fingertips, but you'll also be supporting our efforts as we continue to dive into the wild and crazy history of our favorite town. Also, as a Patreon member, you can take part in our live events and Patreon-only outings, as well as having access to our regular episodes two days before they are released to the public. It's easy. Just head to patreon.com slash wildquincy. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash wildquincy and become a wild thing today. Back here on Wild Quincy and Travis, we're we're going into the, un, what do you want to call it? Un, um, we're unexplained. going where the wild things are, Chris. We're, yeah. we're really <laughs> capitalizing on wild Quincy in in this. <laughs> uh, you know, it's a it's a it's a, can be a weird topic to talk about, and I figure you know don't let let's not keep that from us have, actually having a conversation about that. Right. And I ran across our guest tonight, which we're proud to welcome, Dr. Michael Lorenzen at WIU. How are you tonight, Michael? I'm doing great. Glad to be here. I love your guys' show. Thank you Thank very you. much. Uh, I, I ran across Michael on another podcast that kind of has themes around the heartland, uh, a show called The Riverlands, which is kind of a good show. And I'm, I was listening to it. I'm like, oh, my gosh, she's at WIU. So what, tell us a little bit about yourself, Michael. What's your role at WIU? Well, I'm, a, I'm the head of the university archives. And that's in the university libraries. Um, I'm a professor. And... I basically oversee the archival operations of the uh, of that, and then some other things that, on campus, um, such as copyright, and, and do do some other sort of instruction. Uh, so it's a very job, but um, the stuff that has to do with uh, keeping some of the Bigfoot sightings comes from my job in the archives. Now that that fascinated me, maybe more than anything, uh, you know, being an academic. Is is it a hot topic? Is there a stigma surrounding Bigfoot in that in those circles? What have your findings been? Well, I mean, there certainly is a stigma <laughs> right, doing Bigfoot right. research, and I'm going to start right out by saying I am not a paid by the university to be a Bigfoot researcher. <laughs> That's good. That's a good <laughs> caveat. <laughs> this is part of, of the job being an archivist, and that we we record local history. Yeah. that includes folklore. And okay. and I will tell you how I got involved in this here shortly with a story. Um, but basically what, what we're doing is listening to people's stories and putting them in an archival setting where people in the future will be able to access them. Um, so we're not out there, you know, doing field research right. and, and looking for Bigfoot. I'm not going out there proving Bigfoot exists or doesn't exist. What we're doing is just collecting stories. because Just documentation. Are, right, just like we do with any other local history stuff. And people have discovered that we will listen to their stories and we're respectful about them, and they will tell us their stories. So that's how we kind of got into some Bigfoot stuff. So let me tell you a little bit about my past. Um, before yeah. I came to Western Illinois University, I worked at another Western, Western Washington University. Hmm. When I was there, I worked with some other people to develop a course on critical thinking and library research. 
And one of the popular topics, obviously, is cryptids like Bigfoot that students mm. would talk about a lot. And they realize that there's you know, a lot of fascinating things about Bigfoot, but there's also a lot of stuff which is, you know, you really need to use your critical thinking skills right. to re- get through some of the nonsense about Bigfoot. Um, and it also over, over, overlapped a lot with people talking about conspiracy theories. Because when you get into conspiracy theories, you know, this, and if you do the history, going back a couple hundred years, the, these same conspiracies tend to repeat. And they all tend to have the same elements, you know, of, you know, us versus them, secret groups, right. scientists are all corrupt and being paid off, you know, and there's a money issue and, and you know, civilization's at stake if we lose. This is not new. It's just <laughs> who's, who's on both sides keeps getting relabeled. And so we kind of put the conspiracy theories and cryptids together. So we did a search on how to do research, you know, how to, and we use cryptids, you know, Bigfoot, Loch Ness Monster, whatever creature you want as an example. I had the students also kind of work on conspiracy theories. If someone was trying to suppress evidence that Bigfoot exists, how would you do it? And then oh. they also talked about the conspiracy theories. And they came up with some good ones, I got to say. So um, so it was kind of a, a real good way to engage college students, have them writing and look at a couple issues at once without actually saying, you know, Bigfoot's not real or Bigfoot's wrong. That wasn't the point of the course. It's how do you think about these kind of things? So when I came to Western, I came as dean. And I was dean here for six years. So I didn't get a lot of opportunities to do classroom teaching. But I did work with, with the late Dr. Pat Anderson in anthropology. And she did a class on um, pseudo-archaeology and Bigfoot and aliens. Um, And and it had some of the same themes that I had been working with out at Western Washington. So it was her course. I'm not claiming that was my class, but I did talk with her. She helped develop it. I did help her teach it three times. I went in and did some classroom lectures. Um, And that class still exists, even though she's no longer with us. There's another instructor doing it, and I'm helping him. And I've recorded a couple sessions for his online class about Bigfoot and how to do research in these areas. This kind of led me into doing a life course for Western Illinois University, which is a non-credit course for the community. I did one on Bigfoot in Illinois Hmm. and it sold out. It it was phenomenally popular um, and I did it. And after I did it, I was invited to come to the YMCA of McDonough County Outdoor Show. And I came in and did a similar presentation to what I do for the life program. And there's a gentleman sitting there, older man, and at the end of the presentation, he said he wanted to talk to me. He told me he lived over by Argyle Lake at Argyle Lake State Park, that he had a house there, and that he had had problems with some of his chickens disappearing out of his coop in the back. And this is in, in Colchester, which is, it is. 40, yeah, and, and 40-ish right miles from Quincy, yeah. Yeah, not too far outside of uh, Macomb. And he couldn't figure out what was going on. You know, his, his, the, the, the coop was, the, you know, the brand, the chickens was locked. Everything was good. And they just kept disappearing. So he put in a motion detector for his light in the back to see if he could figure out what was going on. Well, one night he noticed the light went off and he heard a commotion out there. So he looked out there and he saw what he told me. It was a big ape holding a chicken under his arm. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and the ape took off. <laughs> 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 and since that happened, they it hadn't been back. <laughs> so after he changed his pants, what was his uh, next course of action? <laughs> so he he told me he hadn't been back. Um, he told me he'd seen the Argyle monster. Oh, and so this um, thing has a name. It has a name, and he told me he told me he'd seen the Argyle monster, and he'd heard the Argyle monster, and people told him about it, and he didn't think much of it, but he saw the Argyle monster, <laughs> and I said, okay, so you what do you want me to do about this? You know, I mean, I. And he said, I just wanted someone to listen to me. Hmm. Right. 
And he did something which several people have told, told me, which is kind of problematic, and we can talk about this later. He didn't want his name revealed. Right. He wanted to be anonymous. He had no interest in anybody coming out and walking around his property trying to, to see if they could find Bigfoot. He didn't want to be ridiculed. He just wanted someone who, you know, worked at the university, was a professor, had doctor in front of his name, listened to him, and that's what he wanted. I said, mm-hmm. okay, can I record your story and tell your story? He says, yeah, but don't give my name. Sure. Don't tell anybody where I live. And I said, I won't. And from a research perspective, that might be make it difficult to write about this in the future if you want to use a story, you know, but I do have the outline of the story because I didn't record it. Right. I don't have a transcript. This is just my memory of him telling the story. Um, but I realized that people, people are doing this. And since then, I've told the story and people said, who is it? Who is it? Oh, I think I know who this is trying to figure out where it is. I understand why he doesn't want his name <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, that kind of got me looking into it some more. And I realized that, you know, we had some local stories here. And I did look at the Bigfoot Field Research Organization's website and some of their, their, their sighting reports for the area, including McDonough County. And there were stories from Argyle Lake. And I managed to actually reach out and contact one of those witnesses um, who actually did one of those reports. And I've interviewed him in person and got a similar story to what's recorded online. And he knows quite a few people in the community and he's helped make some connections, particularly with some hunters um, and people who have lived in there who are willing to talk a little bit about what they've seen. Um, so that's kind of what got us into this. Um, it's not a big endeavor. Right. This does not take a lot of my time. Um, I will talk to people when they want to do it and, I, and, and we'll do what we need to do to preserve the history. But it's not really a big focus of what we do in archives, but it is something that we're willing to do and, and we're willing to record the stories. And I hope eventually someday in the future, people will come in here and look at local folklore. And this will be very useful 50, 100 years from now. What were people seeing mm-hmm. in the woods, you know, yeah. in, the, in this part of Illinois? And that the, just like people will go back and look at you know, the stories about fairies and, and werewolves back in the 16th or 17th century and very valuable stuff when people recorded the stories of witnesses that were seeing them back then. And you know what? If someday they do discover Bigfoot, we got a record of this incredible primate that people yeah. didn't find until now. You know, so either yeah. way, we got something valuable here just by listening to people's stories. Well, I was doing that uh, when I was doing some research, looking up uh, a question of the day for an upcoming episode, and and, and I went down that pathway of like looking at different uh, like animals, and they talked about in, like the eighteen fifties, seventies, you know, in that time frame about how they thought they were cryptic back then, and that then they ended up just being animals that were just not discovered yet. So, I mean, we're kind of in the possibly in the same wheelhouse with Bigfoot in this situation. Yep, absolutely, that that could possibly um, be the case. Yeah. Now, uh, Michael, some people may be listening to this thinking, okay, the show's called Wild Quincy, not Wild Macomb. Why is this <laughs> relevant? And that's a fair question. But in my mind, let me let me kind of talk about you've you've had the benefit of of having people approach you on this topic, and we're talking about Macomb, Illinois, which is about fifty miles away from from Quincy. So, as far as the terrain goes, as far as the what what the outside world looks like. We're pretty much in the same boat here in Adams County. And also, I just wanted to point out that I believe the archive you guys keep is also for the surrounding counties. Of, what, what counties does that cover, Michael? Would you we specify? have 16 counties that okay. we cover for regional history. And I do not ask me to come up with a whole list right now. <laughs> but <laughs> so Adams being one of them, correct? Adams is one of them. Okay. And um, we, we, we do collect the local history. And we, you know, we're part of the IRAD program. We're a regional depository for the state library. And we have your court records when they don't need them anymore. So we have a lot of stuff from the 19th, 20th century when they ran out of storage at your court buildings. 
um, it gets moved here and hmm. people can come in and do the research. So we have incredible stuff from 16 counties um, in, in our storage here and archives. And we help people find birth certificates and death certificates and tax records. And we found all kinds of stories that people have been able to put together here. And so those 16 counties that if people have stories and they want to tell us about local history, they want to tell us about the time they're, they're, they were on a football team that won the state championship in the 1950s. I'll sit down and talk with you and we'll, we'll do an interview with you and we'll record that and mm-hmm. get a transcript. And that'll be available for people long after you're dead and gone to listen to. And we, we, we do this, you know, on a variety of different topics. When people want to tell their stories, we're going to listen. So that's kind of how the Bigfoot angle comes in. But most of these stories that we're told don't relate to that. But it's kind of the same thing. We're, we're collecting local history. Uh, so is that is that unique for Western or unique for this area? Or is that a statewide or is that do we see that in other states? Is that or what is it? Well, the IRAD program with, with, with regional depository of, of the of the of the local court documents is for the entire state. We okay. have different region areas. Ours, we have 16 regions assigned to us. Um, there are other IRAD depository libraries that do this as well in the state. Different states handle it differently. Okay. Not all of them have the same sort of program where you can get that stuff. Um, so, and I think most archives at universities are willing to do local history with varying emphases. I mean, some private universities might be a little less interested depending on what the focus of the university is. Mm-hmm. I will say most of them probably, if you go in and say, I got a Bigfoot story, you want to hear it, might not be as accommodating <laughs> as I am. Right, <laughs> right. right. Um, I will say that, um, that there is indeed, as we mentioned earlier, a stigma sure. in academia. Again, why you know, I'm going to clarify, you know, that's not what we're doing here, you know, for good reason, but, but we're willing to listen to people. Just going back to that stigma, um, if, you, if you are really interested in Bigfoot research, you're going to find it's difficult to get peer-reviewed articles, journals on this. Mm-hmm. Are seeing people with, you know, funding to go out and do research on Bigfoot, and that's because they decided a long time ago that Bigfoot doesn't exist. Hmm. Now, why are you going to spend money researching or spend your time researching something which is just a tale told in the woods and it's not really worth your time unless you can study it as a folklore issue. Um, Mm -hmm. So if you're really excited about Bigfoot and you decide you want to go to grad school and you tell the, you know, when you on your application, I want to come a grad student in biology to study Bigfoot, you're probably going to get told we don't want you. Yeah. (laughs) If you go to, if you go into a graduate program and, and you get your master's or doctorate, and, and then go out and start looking for jobs and you get, you list a bunch of Bigfoot research on your, on your resume, CV, you're probably not going to get hired at a university. Yeah. You know, right. you might have some difficulty, you know. So I mean, kind of, it's kind of a backward feed. You, you, if you try to research it, it kind of stigmatize. You really have to get far along in your career before you can do it safely without being, you know, criticized for doing right. the study in the first place. You know, you're, you're bringing me kind of a great segue here. Because with that mindset of, okay, try, why are we trying to prove something that does that it's generally accepted doesn't exist? Well, let's talk about what's out there, evident, you know, quote-unquote evidence-wise. I mean, if you look just in the USA alone regionally, there's over, over 15 different names of regional sighting areas for this thing called Sasquatch and Bigfoot. And if you look beyond, beyond the United States, this isn't just something that's happened in North America. You got the, uh, propo- the alleged Yahweh in Australia that, that kind of fits this description. You have the Almas in Mongolia. You have the Orang Pendek in Sumatra, kind of in Indonesian area. The Mapinguare in South America, the Yaren in China. There's all parts of the world have and the famous somewhat Yeti. of a culture. Yeah, yeah the, the Yeti, Yeti, of course. Yeah. The abominable snowman. Heck, yeah. heck, the claymation world has known about this for ages, right? <laughs> the Christmas uh, classics. But, I'm a big fan of Bubble. 
<laughs> All right. And just, just where too. Chris is, Momo, yeah. I mean, I, I would kind of say he's might be an interesting subset, but if we want to get in the weeds, but we don't have to do that. Um, long story short, I find it really interesting that that people seem to be seeing something, you know, and most of the time when you mention Bigfoot sightings and people all these stories where you what you turn on discovery channel you turn on travel channel you have all these shows that are very produced to have suspense and you know all the production but they usually tend to focus on the same area which is usually the pacific northwest sometimes kentucky appalachian mountains and you know possibly for good reason but Bigfoot sightings aren't exclusive to to just that part of the country. What, to, to your knowledge, Michael, um, what, what kind of where are people seeing this thing? They claim, anyways. Well, you you kind of went to the big picture there already. <laughs> people yeah. are seeing them all over the world, and even if you go historically in places which aren't don't currently have sightings, they have accounts of wild men. Um, th- this is a very common folklore element, um, and. They're obviously seen all over the United States except Hawaii. Um, I don't think Bigfoot. So 49, 49 or 50 states then, huh? Yeah, and then all the Canadian provinces, uh, the, the three Canadian territories, um, reports out of Mexico, there are some. Um, so it, it's kind of widespread around the world and also around North America, um, which then brings up you know a couple of points. You know, Clearly this is ingrained as a species. We see wild men in the dark. You know, this is something that's common. Um, it doesn't matter where people are at. They have come to the same things. And there could be a reason for that. You know, you know, there, you know there used to be dozens of human species on the planet. Um, to the best of our knowledge, we're the only surviving species of humanity. Um, we, and, and earlier in our history, we had encounters with these other species of humans. And the theory, what happened, you know, did we exterminate them? Did we inbreed with them? Because we know we have some markers genetically from some of the other human species. Is this kind of like an ancestral memory of some of these other species that we've seen in the past, kind of the memory of, the, of these dark figures in the woods? I mean, it's certainly one way to look at it. Um, so, and that, so it leads, leaves us with lots of folklore stories. But it also leaves a bigger question. If we're seeing Bigfoot all over the place in 49 states, if we're seeing these hairy men in Hawaii, or not Hawaii, but I mean Australia <laughs> right. yeah. and, and in Tibet and these other places, how come we don't have any actual real evidence for them yeah. that would stand up to scientific scrutiny. Right. I mean, people say, well, there's thousands of Bigfoot sightings. If only one of them is true, that means that the species exist. It says, well, that's great. But if there are thousands of Bigfoot sightings, by now we should have some good evidence for them. I mean, if people see them all the time, why can't scientists ever see them? Why can't we ever get a physical specimen? Why can't we get some indisputable video evidence that that, that clearly would stand up to some scrutiny saying, hey, there's something here. How come all the pictures tend to be blurry? I mean, um, he's naturally fuzzy, I think. Is yeah, the answer. you know, that's where they base stealth technology on. You know, that's why the government's covering it up. That's one theory. Of course. I mean, of course. Yeah. So, I mean, so that, that whole thing, you know, great. That, that, uh, saying that there are tons of sightings all over the world and all over the United States and Canada proves that there's a Bigfoot also brings up the question if there are tons of sightings, why don't we have evidence? It should be easy to get. It doesn't so, seem to make sense. Uh, but I guess. I have I have a little bit of knowledge on on the topic from just interest throughout the ages, but what is what do people point to when it comes to 
evidence or because it's not always just a physical sighting of a blurry creature you know 100 you know 400 yards away what what kind of evidence are people touting as evidence of a sasquatch in north america i think the biggest one is the eyewitness accounts Um, people say there's all this oral history we have all these people seeing things some of them are park rangers some of them are police officers some of these hunters have been hunting for decades they know what they saw they didn't see a bear this must be true um, there, 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 there can be problems with oral, you know, or with, with histories like that. People don't always see what they think they see. Um, we know that people are mistaken. We know that, you know, people go to jail based on eyewitness accounts and that gets overturned later because of the right. witnesses were wrong. Right. Even when they saw the crime happen, they remember it differently. People talk to each other. They all have an expectation of what a Bigfoot sighting looks like. They've all seen the same TV shows. Um, they've all read the same stories, heard about them. So when something unusual happens, they can kind of hit their memory to conform yeah. to what they saw. So that's not saying they didn't see a Bigfoot, but there are reasons why their testimony might be suspect. People see footprints. Um, footprints, and, okay. And, and, you know, we, we get people finding footprints. I mean, I went out on one place and, and talked with some people, and they showed me where they said Bigfoot a bad at. So I took a cast of it. So we actually have a cast of a supposed Bigfoot print wow. here in the library up in archives um i've not actually sent it off to see if there's any dermal ridges or anything i don't right. have that kind of budget <laughs> you know but i mean <laughs> it costs you know, money I, yeah i yeah. did take it people have hear vocal things so it's not quite a you know a witness account in the same way but they hear what's what this could you classify what a vocal what what kind of sound is this thing Boy, if you if you it? listen to it online you're going to see different kinds some of them sound like people from japan chattering with each other hmm, <laughs> really Others, you sound like Coyotes to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, so like howls. Of yeah. Or, or, you know, coyotes sound different. And I, I've had a lot of experience with coyotes in my life. My wife says it might be my spirit animal. I don't know. <laughs> I seem to keep running into them. And I've always lived out on the edges of town or out in the country. And coyotes always tend to visit where I live. So I've heard them at 2, 3 a.m. in the morning when they do their three or every three, four weeks. And they do their routes and go through mm. their and, and they, sometimes they chatter like little girls. You know, it sounds like, and sometimes they do the howls and the yelps. I mean, and a lot of times when people tell me what they're hearing, I say, yeah, that's a coyote. Yeah. <laughs> you know, or sometimes, you know, you hear the recordings online. It's like, well, maybe, you know, I can see that being, you know, being something other than a Bigfoot, you know, making that noise in the woods. Um, yeah. So, again, the vocalization is different. But, I mean, if they're Bigfoot are all over North America, maybe they have different regional dialects. Um, oh, yeah. Just and, like we know, do. Yeah, just yeah, like that's interesting. maybe they I have different Bigfoot that. languages. You know, I don't, yeah. I'm not a Bigfoot linguistic, linguist, <laughs> you know, but. <laughs> we all have dreams. We all have dreams. <laughs> yeah, so there, there's a variety of things. People sometimes claim, you know, that trees, the, the trees look like they're shelters made by Bigfoot in the woods and they find nests. Um, but at the same time, I've been in, in the woods enough to know that trees fall over naturally. And sometimes they look like what yeah, people yeah. are claiming is a Bigfoot nest. You know, now, there's uh, other explanations for what they see sometimes. Now, one time, I, I one time, and it was. 15 years, probably 20 years ago. Now I, I did my first Bigfoot adventure of trying to, to trying to get something. And we were down near Sykeston, Missouri. And we did a thing that uh, was, I was with some people that knew more than I did about it, but uh, they did tree knocking. And so have you ever come across anything like that? And can you explain what that is? Yeah. Some, I mean, obviously if you've seen the TV shows, you know, people do this, you know, they like right. to go out and do a tap or two and then see if they get a, a, a response. Um, Honestly, I've not gone out and done any tree knocking to see if it works. Um, Sometimes people claim to get responses. Sometimes they find out as other Bigfoot researchers or someone who's seen the TV show knocking back. 
they're both in different locations and they're like oh my gosh what's going on yeah yeah i mean there's a funny story out of england where a guy had been doing research on on birds and 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 recording bird songs and didn't realize his neighbor kept making the response calls from the birds (laughs) and and the two guys wives found out about it when they're talking to each other oh yeah my husband oh my husband's with it (laughs) you know he get great stories like that, but you know, if if you're out in an area where there's the public ground in the woods, you know, you're in a state park and you talk, yeah. you know, tree knocking. There's probably someone who saw a TV show. Oh my yeah. god, it's Bigfoot! And they'll knock back. You know, so. yeah, right, right. Yeah. Well, Definitely. from from a big picture, let's let's narrow the scope or kind of zoom in a little bit to the central Illinois area. Do you have a rough number of how many reports you've taken or or uh, accounts that you've heard? Yeah, in the last three years, I've done ten. Ten, uh, okay. but I've actually interviewed ten people. Um, I, I've had more than that referred to me, but the problem that, I, that I've run into, and I'm not pushing this because I'm not making anybody uncomfortable on it. People say, "Oh, so and so would love to talk to you." He had this encounter, and I told him it'd be safe to talk to you. And then when right. I actually email them or call them, they never respond. Right. They yep, they, right. they don't want to go on record with what they've seen. That's and pretty common on our, our world too. So. <laughs> so obviously I'm not going to pursue that too much, yeah. um, but people are really like, oh, he'll talk to you. He'll talk to you. And then they don't. But the ones I have had, I've been able to sit down and do it. Um, a couple of them, I've gone out to Argyle Lake State Park and, and talked with people there um, to, to take the recordings. Argyle Lake is kind of nice in that it, in addition to, you know, you know, the regular Bigfoot thing that people see, people have seen juvenile Bigfoot there. Um, so really? you get a little bit different story. Obviously, if Bigfoot's a species, there's small ones. And I've talked to one witness who's seen a small one and another um, witness who also had a, a so probably they thought was the mother of that same small one um, near, nearby. Um, little stories um, are out there. there. There is a little siding cluster in a little town called Brooklyn, which is hmm. in Schuler County, um, that I've gone out there and there's a couple of neighbors that live next to each other that are having the same or we're having the same Bigfoot experience. Um, mm-hmm. And I took, I think, three of my stories from that location and the neighbors talking about Bigfoot coming into their property, knocking on their trailers at night. Some of the things that they had seen, their pictures of Bigfoot, which were not very good. Right. Um but, you know, kind of blobs in, in the distance um, or something indeterminate standing outside their window of their bathroom at night from the inside, taking the picture out. Wow. Um, and I've gone out to that location several times to talk with them. That's where we got one of the Bigfoot cat. Uh, the Bigfoot cast was from, mm. was there. They, they claim that there's a Bigfoot family there living in a cave by the cemetery in town. I did not go into the cave. <laughs> right, uh, right. I've been in caves before, but I'm not going into a wild cave on my own. And just in case there's a Bigfoot there, that's not part of my job duties. I'm not going. <laughs> You're not, not going to fight a Sasquatch. Huh? Yeah, I'm not going in. Someone else can do that if they want. Um, yeah, you didn't but, ask for that hazard pay. Yeah, yeah I mean, exactly. so I mean, that's kind of the kind of the, the stuff that we've been. Uh, so on that note, I, I'm kind of curious, and Travis, I hope I'm not stepping on on no, a future question it. here, but so you've you've obviously had these uh, interviews that you've done, and, and obviously you probably have some that you've collected archive wise over the years. Is there one that sticks out to you out of all the ones that you've heard there? Like, wow, that's that's impressive. Like, that's something that I could maybe get behind. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to go with the story I led with because obviously I think that's one of the stronger stories. Okay, um, either this man is lying to me. Or he was really mistaken about what he saw. Mm. You know, I don't think he hallucinated his experience that he saw Bigfoot 
or he's called the Argyle Monster Gorilla. I don't think he, he, he you know, he, he was lying to me. So if he, he's either he's hallucinating this and it didn't happen or possibly it was a human. Someone was some big guy was out there, grabbed it. And he saw that in the brief instance when he saw it under the light. It was someone who was just simply stealing his chickens. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. if he actually saw what he saw, yeah, that's that's probably the best story. I mean, that, yeah. that's pretty incredible. That's the hardest one for me to debunk without going after his personal character. You know, right. is, is, you know, he could have been absolutely honest and be mistaken. I'm going to give him that. Yeah, um, yeah. But I'm not going to, you know, but that that kind of that that's a strong story for me. Well, and even taking into consideration locally, what kind of predator would be even in that type of form to even compare to something that would be stealing the chicken, you know? So, like, I mean, I'm thinking when you first started with that story, I was thinking, oh, you know, possums or, or raccoons get into chicken coops and take chickens every once in a while. I mean, we had it happen on our farm many times. But, you know, when he literally sees some tall figure like that, there's no predator that matches up to that in this area. Right. That's a really. Can I jump in here real fast? Because this is a really good point, Chris. That I did want to talk about. Um, most of the hotspots in the country have what a lot of scientists consider a reasonable explanation for what people are seeing and misidentifying, and that is a population of black bears. What makes Illinois unique, um, which I, we haven't got to this yet, but Illinois is out of out of all 50 states it's the top it's number 5 on the list of what people consider them you know and this is obviously a very gray list obviously but what they consider a credible bigfoot sighting hmm. and to my knowledge we really don't have any population of black bears there may be one or two that stumble through on a migrational hmm. path which is usually picked up on the news pretty pretty heavily when that happens so to your question, question, Chris, I don't understand what someone would be misidentifying a Bigfoot as in this area. Any thoughts on that, Michael? Yeah, I mean, we don't have any bears. And when they do, they, as you note, they get on the TV. Yeah. <laughs> and the yeah, newspapers, right. everybody learns about it. You know, there's more Bigfoot sightings than our bear sightings. A lot more. Huh. The difference <laughs> is, though, whenever there's a bear sighting, they can find the bear. They yeah. can find the Bigfoot. Right. So again, back to the, the big quandary there. But... Yeah, I mean, from, you know, a Sasquatch habitat, if there was an undiscovered species of, you know, an unknown human species or some other primate living somewhere in the woods, this is a great state for it. There's lots of wilderness out there. You know, there's lots of places, lots of caves, lots and lots of places where you could go underground and hide. You know, in the county where I'm at, there's there's a lot of abandoned mines. You know, from the mining they used to do with the Argyle Hollow and in this area. Um, you can find caves out here. You can find them in caves over in the Quincy area. You know, there's lots of, of woodlands. And there's places something really was determined to hide. This would make sense as a state where they could actually hide. And if you look at the sightings, they tend to be, you know, in the southern part of the state. You know, they're not finding Bigfoot around Chicago. You know, so it seems to be where it would make sense that they would be at. And you're right. There's no bears. Well, and Travis, Travis done some research and done some notes, and and we'll have those on our our website uh, for you guys to look at too. But there's a couple of maps I was just looking at on here, and you know, if you take what Salem Springs, which I'm sure we're going to be talking about here in a little bit, but in Argyle and those places, if you kind of follow that line, especially right up the Illinois River, there is a lot of timber area to work with there. There's, there's massive a, corridors yeah. of timber that mm-hmm. follow the rivers. All the way down into the, uh, what is it, the uh, Shawnee National Forest in the southern yeah. Illinois, which is technically, I think, from what I remember in science classes, 
almost considered the northernmost swamp area. Um, the swamp area actually can extend that far down to southern Illinois. So I have to wonder, and this is all speculation, obviously, but if, if there is a population of, of, of Sasquatch, perhaps perhaps there's a migrational aspect to it. I mean, it seems like maybe maybe if you want to go on the deep end there and say there's Bigfoot running around, maybe they're not just stationary. I don't know. But there's, well, they, there they, is they, a lot they, of forest. If it's a viable species, it can't be stationary. I mean, oh, okay. I mean, think about how many Bigfoot do there have to be for it not to go extinct? I mean, right. if you, you yeah. have a big primate, it's going to have to breed. If it's gonna, not going to, you know, not have too much incest, you know, and genetic problems, it's going to have to travel to find mates, you know, to keep the genetic pool big for it to be a viable species. You're going to need yeah. a couple thousand of them at least long term for it to survive, I would think. Um, and we think people are putting them all over the place. So they're going to have to go find, go ahead and move around to find each other um, and not get caught. Yeah. <laughs> you, know? Yeah. you know, so that, that's, that's the real trick there. Um, not just that, but it sounds like from what I've seen local report wise, and, and we might get into some of that in a little more detail, a lot of sightings are happening by roads, um, you know, just from people driving who happen to see something on the edge of the road, which right. kind of suggests maybe there's a reason that uh, a creature might need to. Yeah. Um, you, you know, you can we kind of gone down an interesting angle here of of yes, a breeding population. So that kind of hints at a fact that if if this is an actual creature, to your point, Michael, there has to be a large enough numbers to sustain a breeding population. Going down that same mindset, what about? I mean, we talked about habitat as far as forest. I mean, a lot of times there was reports of uh, a lot of elevation, like different hilly elevations, seem to have some kind of tie-in. If you're looking at just sightings alone, but I'm curious about food source. And one thing that Western Illinois has going for it is the white-tailed deer population. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at you know statewide analysis of of you know the deer harvest right here in central Illinois you know, between McDonough down to Adams and even in the Pike, we are heavily saturated with white-tailed deer, which most people suspect may be a food source of some kind of omnivore uh, ape creature if, if it fits the mold for a sasquatch. So it sounds like between that and maybe cornfields. I mean cornfields and alone, chickens. Chickens, <laughs> right? Farm, yeah, farm, farm area. I mean, if you think about green corn potentially being grown as a food source, that's why there's so many deer. Um, you know, I mean, I mean, you just answered your own question there. I mean, you're absolutely right on all that. There could clearly be an omnivore. There are more deer here now than there was before. You know, the colonists and settlers came over. We, we've mm-hmm. eliminated the natural predators. Um, there's too many deer. Yeah. Um, and there's a deer overpopulation, so there's no shortage of calories to support a large um, creature out there. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, you know, and actually you kind of bring up, a, especially since we're talking about this migratory stuff and things like this and, and, and you collecting this this data like you are. And, and I kind of want to go into that just for a second. Uh, I guess I, it's probably too early in the data collecting points to try to see if there's any sort of trends or anything but are, are you guys working towards that and the reason I ask that is because uh, you know we may be looking at like you know geese you know in the winter they go south and they come back up north in the in the summertime so I mean I wonder if migratory patterns with even Sasquatch if maybe once data gets collected more that maybe we could you guys could possibly track something like that is that something you guys have considered possibly I mean again there'd have to be a lot more right, yeah, right. Get that. Um, I, 
I, I'm hoping eventually I'll have enough that I can put together a book on this. Oh, that'd be great. Um, I mean, if I saw that they all happened in, in the fall, I, I would say, sure. <laughs> it looks like yeah, they should yeah. stop by in the fall. I, I don't have, I think I have enough to say that, but yeah. um, in my mind, that's the number one reason that, that it's, it's so frustrating. I think for someone, even for me who I don't have a, I don't have any skin in this game other than my own interest, but it seems like that stigma, it's so strong, and what we need as a anybody who's interested in collecting stories about a, a Bigfoot in the area or anywhere else, we need content. Even if it's just, you know, if it's not hard evidence, but even stories, I think so much can be taken from that in building a possible profile. To Chris's point, what is what are people seeing? Are there trends there? that are reported independently. And if you start to have some kind of data, even though it may be from my witness account, it's a starting point for building something more. There's a concept called citizen science. And that's where you use the, the, the power of the community to help you do research. You know, so people around the world will keep weather reports. You know, they'll, they'll measure how much rain comes in. They'll go out and they'll count how many monarch butterflies they see in a meadow. And scientists use the, the power of the community to get the numbers they need to, to do the reports to tell how a, a species is thriving or to see other patterns over time. I think it would be good if people could do citizen science if they see a Bigfoot. That'd be awesome. Report, you know. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, even if they don't yeah. see Bigfoot, I mean, if they're in the woods, they might be seeing other things. And right, I think yeah. that's important, too, that we report and have a good feedback on what's going on in, in, in the natural resource around us. I mean, if people just don't realize, I think, how much woods are around us. I mean, we're all on the roads and we're all going into town and we're seeing people. But there is a lot of places where it's just wild around us. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it is amazing how much wilderness space there is out there. And people aren't in these woods all the time. We get hunters out there, but there's places that rarely, if ever, get visited just, you know, because it's a little harder to get to. You know, and they're in the, in the back of someone's property back, you know, ways. And it's kind of hilly and, and lots of, you know, thorns back there and, and quite a bit of stuff where something could be and, and no one would ever go out and see it. I mean, the, a lot of our, our our native animals know how to hide. and You don't see them very often. They can avoid people, you know. So again, people just don't realize how much is out there. When I was out in the Pacific Northwest, I'd go out up in, in, in the mountains, you know, in Cascadia, go out by Mount Adams. And... Mount Baker, um, and just see all this, you know, all this wilderness. And you feel like you, 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 even though you're in a federal park, you might be the first person ever stepping on this park because yeah. it's just so much out there. And again, Illinois is no different. We have lots of stuff around us that people aren't yeah. aware of. That's a, you know, I, I see this meme every once in a while where you see the picture of a Sasquatch and it says hide and seek world champion. And I think that <laughs> that plays into pretty right. well there. Um, and, and yeah, I think it's, you, you, I was wanting to point out, and you kind of got me thinking about this, but you know, we do have all these hunters that are around this area and that are out there. But you know, I, I kind of relate back to the white-tailed deer, and you, those deer kind of know when hunting season is coming up, especially the smarter and the older and the wiser, you know, bucks and stuff like that. And they'll go into hiding when it's that time of year, right? So. Who's, I mean, a smarter, intelligent, potential creature like a Sasquatch, they would even be more aware of what was going on. So I guess, you know, we could throw out, and I know, Travis, you got some stats about hunters and stuff like that. But, you know, you get in right. that time of year, those guys are going to be smart enough or Sasquatch are going to be smart enough. They're really going to go into hiding at that point in time, right? I would think so. Yeah. <laughs> if yeah, you want to exactly. stay hidden. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 
I, I want to hit on a little bit from a super local uh, Adams County uh, standpoint. Chris, you hinted at it earlier, and that's definitely a, a big focus of my own interest, and that is Siloam Springs State Park. And hearing these accounts, Michael, that, that you referenced and I've, I've heard you speak of before, in Argyle, I got real curious to just kind of look at the numbers, look at the two different areas and kind of compare some stuff. And just out of curiosity, I went and here's some information I found. Lake Argyle State Park, from what I can find, is about 1,700 acres, and it also has a lake, uh, Lake Argyle, which is 93 acres. I was curious how that stacked up with Siloam Springs. Siloam Springs is 3,323 acres, so that's almost twice as big. Uh, again, it has a lake, although albeit smaller, about 58 acres. So if there are reports creditable or not, you know, that have exist in Lake Argyle, there should be reports around Siloam Springs, just if you kind of A equals B equals C. <laughs> and sure enough, the two reports that are on the Bigfoot Research Organization's page, just where people can go and submit reports of, of Bigfoot sightings, there are two for Adams County, and, and both reside right on the area of Siloam Springs, one on the highway leading directly to it where a man and woman were on a motorcycle uh, going about 40 miles an hour down down a hill. I actually know exactly where this spot is. I was tooling around out there. And the woman reports seeing what she thought was a tree on the side of the road, and then it, it moved. Or, or it, she realized this thing had a face, hmm. and it stood perfectly still. And so this report's interesting to me. My skeptic mind kind of gets curious. Okay, how much are you going to see going 40 miles an hour down a road? And so, I, you know, I kind of <laughs> went 40 miles an hour specifically down this area and just looked to the right where it was allegedly standing on a hill just trying to be motionless to be confused for a tree. And there's even a silhouette, I believe, she drew of a profile of a Sasquatch of what we come to expect a Sasquatch to look like. The other, and so in my mind, that's like, okay, maybe, you know, maybe matrixing, you're, you're seeing something, which is a term for people kind of tend to see human faces and things. It's just natural to our brain to try and formulate something we recognize. The other report in Silent Springs is a little more in, intense. It's of a camper who was actually, they were tearing down the camp, and he went off to, I think, have a cigarette in the woods. And coming up a ridge directly in front of him was an alleged Sasquatch. And I, it sounds like the two startled each other, which <laughs> what I can I can only imagine was probably an understatement. Uh, and this thing took back off, but that one is a little bit more intriguing to me because it takes away a little bit of the okay, maybe I'm just seeing things in my peripheral that aren't completely you know what I think they are. So the fact that it seems like Siloam Springs could support there's definitely so much room like area out there. If if anyone hasn't been out there locally. Take a day and just go enjoy the the beauty of it all. But I was out there on my lunch hour and I saw seven deer. I mean, just not even trying. So there's definitely a healthy population, and you don't appreciate to to your point, Michael, how much nature is just off the the asphalt, so to speak. There's hills and there's a whole subspecies, not subspecies, but there's just there's wildlife is out there. I've saw, I've seen foxes out there in the evening. Um, it's just something we don't think about. I don't think from this perspective of I could easily now going out there totally, I'm totally aware of the possibility of maybe seeing something crazy running on the hillside. And uh, it's, it's really interesting to look at it through the lens of possibility. 
is I guess is what I'm getting at here. You know, I want to kind of add on to this with uh, Michael. You know, we have those two reports that in in Silent Springs. Do you have anything in your database of of anything in our neck of the woods in Adams County besides those two that you're aware of? No, the only things I've got are um, old newspaper accounts okay. and also the stuff that I've printed out from the BFRO. Okay. .net database. Uh, we've gone in and, and printed out those ones that we've seen from our 16 counties. Um, the, but I don't have any oral histories from anybody who's told me a story down there. No. Okay. Okay. Good. At least uh, not yet. Well, and we're hoping that maybe we might, and actually we have received a few emails that I think we need to pass along to you, so we might be talking about that as we come along. I don't, Travis, you're giving me a look, so I don't know if you, if you have some information on that or not. Uh, well, b- uh, one... Uh, one is several stories that would tend to indicate the possibility, not so much a direct sighting, but uh, from a howl standpoint, uh, you know, that kind of indicate they believe they saw or heard something of a Bigfoot nature in Siloam Springs. Um, one thing that I did want to pull up, uh, I know we've talked about historical accounts in the area, and a big part of my re- of, of what I do is reference the historical archives. And we didn't really talk about this earlier, but I want to hit on it. The term Bigfoot and the term Sasquatch it, 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 it didn't really come about until the 50s, so the late 50s and 60s, and obviously the, the, the film that everyone has seen, in, the Patterson-Gimlin film. If you, if you picture a Bigfoot walk, and this is probably what you're seeing in your mind. Patty. Patty, there mm-hmm. you go. Um I got to thinking, okay, well, are there any historical accounts of this in our area? And what what I learned is it's all about your terminology because those terms didn't exist back then. So what did people refer to these as? And I think through a combination of listening to you on the Riverlands podcast, Michael, and just other looking online, various terminology kind of bubbled up to the surface. One of those things being wild man, which you've mentioned before already. Well, sure enough. In 1905, the headline is, A Wild Man Roams Burton. There's a report that he's over six feet tall and eats corn. And essentially, what they're seeing is, I'll summarize this article, but we'll throw a link up to it on our show notes. This and other links pertinent that we've discussed and may not have enough time to get into. But essentially, Chris, between Quincy and Burton, strangely enough, right about where the Fanschmidt farm would be Hmm. located, that's Mm -hmm. from another episode, uh, they saw a a hairy being, roughly seven, eight foot tall, who could clear a fence post in a jump and eating corn. And that to me was like, oh man, that's that's a Bigfoot sighting <laughs> in 1905, yeah. eight miles east of Quincy. And another another interesting report that is probably the funniest one I've I've found yet um, is a <laughs> it's a story of boy Boy Scouts. Apparently, a a large wild man had been seen frequenting the thicket, thickest part of the woods at around a local Boy Scout camp. And so they turned this into a Boy Scout project. I don't know if there's a badge for this, but I think there should be a medal. <laughs> I would so think so. <laughs> essentially, essentially, the Boy Scouts go out armed with flashlights, clubs, ropes, and may, make an attempt to track this thing down. <laughs> Thank God they didn't encounter him because I've seen what a gorilla can do <laughs> strength wise, yeah. and that thing's like five foot six, you know, six hundred pounds. I don't know what an eight foot tall guy is gonna do, but they had no luck finding it. Uh, but apparently, I just just the vision of this group of Boy Scouts in uh, what is this, nineteen twenty four, 
just going out to the woods with flashlights and clubs. Like, you guys, you don't know what you're going to run into here. If that's a merit badge, that... I, I got to get in. I, I missed out, man. I, I should have been in Boy Scouts. <laughs> I can be one of the advisors, I guess, for the merit badge. <laughs> there you go. Since you brought up the Boy Scouts, I do have an interesting story that might you might want to hear. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that's a local one. Um, we have a property that used to be Camp Pearl over by Tennessee over in this county. Okay. And the Boy Scout ran a camp there for a long time, and it uh, went bankrupt, and now the YMCA owns it. Um and I've been out there a couple times because there's been some Bigfoot reports out at what they call now Jackson Park. There's nobody out there. It's just a bunch of old abandoned buildings and a lot of acres. And and with the dam and the river runs in there. And uh, one of the stories I heard was from a Cub Scout troop. Um, secondhand, I didn't get to talk to any of the Cub right. Scouts. But they about 10 of them have been out there with and have been hiking at Jackson Park. And they looked down into the valley area near where the dam was at, and they saw what they claimed as a Bigfoot. Hmm. And, uh, and we're all excited about it. Um, and so I got that report secondhand. So, I'm, so, you know, a bunch of kids went home and told their parents they saw Bigfoot. That's wild. <laughs> Whether or not they actually saw Bigfoot, you know, could have been a hunter, you know, all in camouflage yeah. and, you know, could have been poaching um, illegally, hunting on, on that property. But, you know, that that's the kind of thing. And, you know, and there's lots of caves out there and, and there's no one out there other than the locals who might wander onto the property and it's pretty isolated. Um, so, again, another Cub Scout angle yeah. there, a former Boy yeah. Scout camp I, with Cub Scouts right. out there. I'm starting to think there. we need to talk to the Boy Scouts. It sounds like we do need a merit badge for this. <laughs> <laughs> that would be like the ultimate merit badge. Yeah, like right? Bigfoot encounter big merit badge. <laughs> we can do our own reality TV show based on it. Oh, there you yeah, go. People there love this go. stuff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We're sitting uh, on a gold mine. One thing I want to, before, I know we're getting close to the end here. Yeah. I, I One thing I do want to ask real quick, uh, you kind of talked about some of the archives that you've collected, and, and even Travis is bringing up about the wild man and some of the bass stories of Adams County. What's the oldest one that you've seen so far that you've come across in your research i would probably say there is some stuff um from the 19th century relating to argyle monster okay um, and local before they dammed and made argyle lake it was argyle hollow Hmm. and they used to do mining out there and people and they still have you know one of the mines they still have there at the park where you can come look at it don't go in they got it you can't no one could go in there get hurt themselves um but, you know, the miners saw things, and some of the miners disappeared. It could have been claim jumping, you know, lots of things right. could have happened. Um, but, you know, they call them monster holes, you know, and some of the Argyle monsters kind of came before they dammed hmm. the lake. So there's some old stuff um, related. Not, nothing Bigfoot. No one's going to call it Bigfoot. Hmm. But, you know, there was some talk of bad things happening to people and a monster being blamed. And, uh, you know, that could be kind of part of the lore, too, kind of where the yeah, Argyle right. monster lore comes from because it wasn't just made up a few years ago. It kind of goes back a ways, people talking yeah. about the Argyle monster. I don't know if this is way off subject. To me. If it is, I apologize. But do you go beyond, uh, beyond like, uh, cryptozoological in, in any of your archiving? Is there other you, – you talked about some lore and stuff like that, but do you go – I mean, paranormal in general, or is there other stuff that you collect, or is it just cryptozoology? Yeah, I'll take based? other stories. I mean, I just did one last fall, um, although I don't have the transcripts ready because the person who did me the interview still hasn't given me their corrections on her transcript. I need to mm. follow up. You know, ghost story at a local um, bread and breakfast. Um, pretty incredible, some of the stuff she's yeah. telling me going on there. Um, so, yeah, if someone wants to talk about a paranormal thing, you know, I'm happy to take ghost stories. Okay. 
too. Good. I mean, I cool. mean, those are interesting to people. I, I really do hope to maybe even get a press release out of that for the university next Halloween, kind of talking oh, about it. Yeah, okay, yeah. I think you know that's kind of a good way to, to publicize some of the things that we yeah. do. Well, it gets, it gets, I mean, it's all about collecting information, right? So, I mean, anytime you get an option to, to jump out there and get some publicity in the matter to be able to collect that information, that's always that's always great. So, I'm Travis, taking a ghost story, but I'm not going into your haunted house in the middle of the night. I'm not going to international. <laughs> <laughs> um, Travis, is there anything else we're missing before we want to get going? No, I, I guess I guess if we want to, I mean, we, we could sit here and talk about all these paranormal theories about Bigfoot, and there are plenty. Um, but I think it's enough of a stretch to try and convince people the possibility that this exists, let alone portals and other wild stories and orbs. Uh, that's a story for another time, I think. But I do want to encourage what I've tried to do here is just build some information, A, of what people are seeing, B, where it might be seen at in, in an attempt to try and actually get some stories. Um, Michael what would be the best way for someone to contact you if, if they want to just skirt the story, so to speak, of, of us while Quincy Two Idiots blaring podcast here <laughs> and want to go straight to the guy with a doctorate right. in front of his name? Where? How can they get a hold of you? Yeah, probably the easiest way is email. And my okay. email address is mg hyphen Lorenzen, and it's um, at wiu.edu. Um, so I'm sure you'll put that on your website for people to contact. If you, if you, if you type my name in, you know, Michael Lorenzen, Bigfoot, Illinois, I'm going to come up first, probably. Um, if you, if you do me on the university direct, I'm easy to find. Um, if you, if you email me your story, I'll take it. If you want to talk over zoom or over the phone, I can take your story that way. Um, I will, I prefer not to do anonymous because that kind of hurts long-term credibility of the stories. You know, how do people know that Dr. Lorenzen just didn't make all these up? Right. Um, if there's point. actually a name and some stuff with it that can help, I will take anonymous stories if necessary. Just if people absolutely insist on it. If you're sending me email, be aware that you know that I'm a state employee working for the university. My email is not can be FOIAed. People can do a Freedom of Information Act on it. So if you give me your story, you want to stay anonymous, and someone FOIAs my email, they may be able to find out who you were. Um, that probably won't happen, and I would argue to the university attorney that this is research and should be kept private. But if you absolutely want to make sure you do private, send me an email that doesn't identify who you are, and you know, I can call you or something, do something, get your story without it being in a public record kind of way that way. Although eventually, mm-hmm. and if I'm talking to you, I do want to take your story and put it in a public record. People are going to be able to see it. Yeah. That's the whole point. Yeah. Right. And, and if you have any questions or, or want help connecting with Dr. Lorenzen, you can also contact Wild Quincy and we'll make sure that that, that uh, connection gets made. Absolutely. Um, yeah. You mentioned you mentioned there's a nice web page that you upkeep through the WIU that uh, we'll put a link to as well that kind of has some additional information about Bigfoot in central Illinois and is a great resource for someone wanting to learn more. So, I mean, at the end of the day, thank you so much, Dr. Michael Lorenz, for being a part of this and just talking about bringing your area of expertise. And I got to say, at the end of the day, are you comfortable saying whether you think it's out there or not? Oh, boy. You know, the (laughs) question, you know, let's say I really hope that Ah. the scientists have missed Bigfoot being out there. That would be so incredible if there was a species out there that we'd missed that was out there and that we could learn more about it. In my heart of hearts, I do think it's out there. I think at this point, a large mammal wandering around Mm -hmm. North America and with no evidence is probably unlikely. But, hey, I'm I'm not going to dismiss anybody who tells me a story, and let's hope that it is. Right. So if you do have evidence otherwise, 
we want to hear about it. Yeah, absolutely. So with that, we'll thank Dr. Michael Lorenzo one more yes. time. And uh, we'll be back after this, Chris. That's a look at uh, Bigfoot in Adams County. We'll be back with more on Wild Quincy after this. <laughs> Seems like it always rains on Labor Day. This year, if it rains an inch and a half from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. on Labor Day, you'll get a 10% refund on any home purchase from Ramsey Jones Homes. $2,000 cash will be refunded on a $20,000 mobile home. Ramsey Jones Homes hopes to give a half million dollars of refunds to celebrate their 30th anniversary in home number 5,000. See store for details. No purchase necessary. Tomorrow's housing today. Ramsey Jones Homes. In the Grange, Missouri. Well, Travis, a few weeks ago on our Patreon episode, before we got into the season, we I, I quizzed you and said to you, like, all right, I'm going to give you these slogans. You tell me where they're from. And this was one of them. This was, wasn't it? Yeah. You know, uh, the, when when I was hearing that, the whole pattern of that, of that, that jingle seems very close to the Mentos jingle. Like, if you sing them back to back in your head a little <laughs> I bit. I never thought about that. It's maybe because before we recorded, Chris, Chris shut me that one to listen to. And I'm like, didn't we do this one already? And it was fresh <laughs> in my head. And I think it's because of the Mentos jingle from a did few you, weeks ago. Oh, because we did that last season. That's right. That's so, right. yeah, that might be yeah. what you're thinking of. Uh, by the way, the voice of uh, that, none other than the Golden Pipes of Mike Moyer. So, uh, Mike, with some. Good. He's always been the spokesperson for Ramsey Jones. He might still be, as far as I know. So, um, but yeah, great. Uh, that thing. I re- if if you're gonna say a jingle, and you're gonna say, man, Chris, what jingle do you remember? It's your earliest childhood memory of a jingle. It is that one right there. I yeah, don't that know one's why. addictive. It's been around for forty years, probably if not more. I've I've introduced a jingle. Uh, for my kids to remember my cell phone number. I'm not gonna do it right now. Yeah, I'll be giving out a little more, but. I tell you, man, it's, it's it's catchy, and they have not forgotten my cell phone number for the last couple of years. Do we need it. to think about making a jingle for Wild Quincy? <laughs> we might need to. That maybe that's the key piece that we need to go from you know uh, five you know to thousands and thousands of downloads every day. It's well, just the right it, jingle. Maybe, maybe that'd be weird that that could equivocate into downloads. But you know, I'm not a scientist. I don't know how these things work. Maybe. <laughs> right. Maybe give us some more feedback. <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah, so Ramsey Jones Homes in LaGrange, Missouri. Because I, we, as we realize as we are getting to record, I'm OCD. And you, if you don't finish it, it just doesn't feel right. Uh, so, uh, yes, yeah, so there you go. That's, uh, Hold on. Th- oh, jeez. No. <laughs> I had to do it. <laughs> All right, uh, let's bring out the let's bring out the golden pipes. And now it's time for words of wisdom from Adams County. All right, Travis, are you ready for this wit and wisdom from our forefathers and foremothers? I uh, don't know how I've made it so long without it. To be really honest with you, I, I mean, how, so bad I can't sit down. How do we not go through life without knowing this information, right? We, we we stumble through it blindly. That's what we do. But we're here to fix that with the new nugget of the, this week. What do you got? That's right. Well, we're going to do two this week. Oh, all my right? gosh. That's a bogo. And that Yeah. That's all thanks to Colleen Campus Miller. Thank you, Colleen. But Colleen uh, has been a uh, awesome Patreon member. She has been uh, a dedicated fan. And she actually gave us one last year. 
I don't know if she realized this, but we've done three ask for numbers of uh, uh, factor folklore, and two out of three times she picked 222. The third time she picked 2,222. So I don't know if that's her favorite number. Colleen, let us know. But uh, so I had to do it for her. So we're going to do both. All right. We want the number. She wants the number. Chris. She wants to know what the numbers are. All right. So here we go. Which one should we do first? You got a choice? Uh, let's go low to high. Okay. Or whatever page you're on. That's fine. We'll go low then. All right. Here is 222. Is a big storm is coming if fish jumping up insistently in the water. Okay. Good to know. All right, and then finally, 2,222. It's a little bit of a story, Travis. Oh. A man had a fine horse. He said he would give anyone $20 that would stop the horse from bleeding. My sister counted 50 well, backwards. I don't, I don't know if the horse was doing that well if it was bleeding, Chris. You kind of buried the lead there when you said how fine this how fine this bloody horse. Tell me more about this fine bloody horse you got, Chris. Well, my sister counted 50 backwards and got the $20 for saving his horse. Words of wisdom from Adams County. Why am I always rubbing my temples when we get there with some of these? Is I know, there a reason you think? Right? No, get that back out. Hold on. So, okay, I know I kind of threw everything off with my little okay. objection there. So, what? What the the cause and effect here? Or, or I feel like I lost something. Give it to me one more time. Man had a fine horse. He said he would give anyone twenty dollars that would stop the horse from bleeding. My sister counted fifty backwards and got twenty dollars for saving his saving his horse. So the act of fifty. Counting from 50 to zero backwards. That did is it. Is allegedly what stopped the bleeding. The bleeding, yeah. That's that's what I'm getting from this story. Well, I mean, blood's going to clot, Chris. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just, she I must mean, have counted really slow. Lucky I didn't say how <laughs> four days later the horse Yeah, was she got through 50. <laughs> Either dead or fine. Yeah. Oh, Boy. my gosh, man. The next time, Next time I cut myself and someone asks me, are you okay? I'm like, I'm fine. I'm <laughs> just fine. count I'm backwards. Hem- I'm, I'm hemorrhaging. <laughs> But I'm fine. Just count, start counting back from counting. 50. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, well, We're my doing gosh. fine, Chris. We're doing yeah. fine. Gosh, you got to love that, man. And, and I just found, and we talked about this before, we have to make a journey to the basement of Quincy University where these files are kept because we got to dig into this some more. I think there's more feel, to this story. I feel like this much concentration of wisdom can only be... Uh, akin to an Indiana Jones movie, like maybe there's going to be booby traps and big <laughs> right. rolling balls and whatnot. So I think maybe we need to bring a whip and a fedora. We can go just yeah. to be ready. Yeah, just to be um, ready. And some and yeah. some sand, a bag sand. Yeah, we'll yeah. Swap we got out. a monkey, yeah. a monkey statue. We're going to have to replace. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we we can plan this out. So we'll bring it. We'll bring some cargo pants at least with the Swiss Army go. knife. There you go. Now that that needs to be in our plan. So there you go. Folk uh, folklore of Adams County, fact or fake or factor folklore uh whatever you want to call it but uh gotta love our forefathers and foremothers i'm still waiting for that shirt uh yeah, designers we're yeah. come on Where's my shirt? all right are we ready for this lazy. question of the day to wrap things up yeah like- refresh refresh our memory what are we trying to discern this week all right so the question is this uh first catholic church in quincy was it saint anthony saint boniface saint francis or what is now St. Peter's and is used to be called St. Lawrence O'Toole. 
There you go. There you go. <laughs> I got it right that time. I saw your brain really working to get that out. <laughs> you think about it. Smoke was coming out of his ears and everything. I almost did the exact same thing again. <laughs> Remember so that time you remember that time you kept saying uh, for tra- for for Chris I'm Travis Hoffman on the on the outro yeah you did yeah. that like three weeks straight it was crazy oh. okay sorry back to the question. yeah no you're fine what what do you think what's who was the first Catholic Church according to my records um I feel like I I honestly don't remember I know we've been through this but I can't remember what it was okay I'm gonna say if a church is old enough to be named again I'm gonna go with that one so St Peter's slash St Lawrence is gonna be my answer Chris final answer. Final answer. Two weeks in a row, ladies and gentlemen. He is correct. St. Lawrence O'Toole. There you go. Yes. Uh, Breakfast Club ending right there. Uh, It's uh, 1839. Forget about me. Isn't that right? (laughs) That's it. What year you got? 1839 was when St. Lawrence O'Toole. Uh, real quick, give you the rundown. St. Anthony's was 1859. St. Boniface, 1859. St. Francis was 1885. By the way, check out our Facebook page. We put a really cool uh, link to a video that was done by the Saints, uh, by the Springfield Diocese uh, showing the uh, the inner workings of St. Francis. It's a super cool video. The so catacombs, Chris. Yeah. You can see the cat. Is that crazy? That is crazy. Yeah, yeah it's awesome. You know what so it check is? That it's, out. it's wild. It's wild. It's wild. Uh, but yeah, St. Lawrence O'Toole, uh, officially later on named St. Peter's, was 1839. So, Travis, uh, we are not doing churches and bars again, or or birches and chars. Birches uh, and chars, yeah. As one right. of our shirts says. Check uh, out our t-shirt on the what merch. Are, yeah. What are we talking about next week? Well, we're talking about uh, the historical figure from Quincy, Illinois. He was the first black priest in america and that's none other than father august i always augustus i always trip over his name i apologize we're gonna call him father gus you know we're friends (laughs) i've i'll eat lunch occasionally in that cemetery where he's buried right next to his headstone so i feel like we're buddies me and father gus um no interesting story born a slave uh lots of interesting facts and folklore on the the path to canonization right now to sainthood we're going to check in i'm going to get my my facts straight on how that thing's coming along and it's going to be a fun down uh, it's going to be a fun walk down history and learn a little bit about father gus yeah uh or father augustus tolton If I'll you want to for be you. formal, with <laughs> it, yeah. formal, yeah. So we'll have that coming up. But it's something that uh, it's been talked about. It's something that um, we obviously know a little bit about uh, from uh, talking about it in the past episodes. But we're really going to dive deep into uh, the history of him and, and how he got to Quincy and, and how he got to to the pathway that he did as he was going along. So it should be a very uh, intriguing, interesting people episode coming up your way in a couple weeks. But Travis, before we wrap things up, are we missing anything? We want to extend a thank you again to Dr. Michael Lorenzen from WIU. And I also want everybody to swing by the blog page for this episode. We'll have some interesting facts and charts and even some ways where if you have happened to have a run-in with the the legendary Bigfoot in the area, there's ways you can get a hold of us as well as Dr. Michael Lorenzen to be included. You can be anonymous if you want to. And let's just... Be honest and open with the dialogue and see what we can't find out about this this crazy phenomenon. Yeah, and so uh, thanks again to him for coming on, and we really appreciate it. And we'll be back with you in a couple weeks with the next episode. But for Travis Hoffman, I'm Chris Ketters. You've been listening to Wild Quincy. We'll catch you guys next time. Take care, everybody. Wild Quincy is released every other Tuesday and is produced by Chris Ketters and Travis Hoffman. Sound designed by Downdraft Sound and Editing. 
and music by Travis Hoffman Music. I'm Bo Beecraft, and thanks for listening to Wild Quincy. Wild Quincy.